This is the Careers in Review podcast. We'll show you how to navigate the job market and career space like a pro. Starting now, here is your host, Ediana Rosen. Hello, career reviewers, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have the amazing Samantha with me. You probably have seen her on social media, on TikTok. I cannot believe that she came on the podcast with me today. I am going to tell you a little bit about her. She has an amazing, amazing background. Samantha is a people and value-driven marketing magician with a decade of experience, specifically with B2B and B2C Marcoms. She has a decade, literally, working behind the scenes, rebranding organizations, launching tier one SaaS products, building PR engines, and developing the soul of the organization, also known as the brand. Woo! I cannot wait. Literally, I'm having goosebumps just even telling you this. She's known for her vivid and authentic personality, her scrappy, make-it-happy startup mentality. Currently, she's spearheading the marketing and communications department efforts over at Torpago. It is a fintech startup shaking up the spent management space as the head of marketing. I mean, you're, you literally have an amazing treat here with you. She's a hiring manager. She's the head of marketing and is going to tell you all about the startup space and how to get there if that's something that you're interested in. Growing up, Samantha was raised to go to war and be 10 times better than the next person. Her parents taught her to be, essentially she wanted to be a corporate lawyer, but then she decided to become a Marcoms generalist instead. And this is why we have her here today. She's the oldest of four and the only girl. She's essentially from the background with a Puerto Rican father and Portuguese mixed household. Outside of work, she has caught up with creating content on TikTok, planning her next trip, and trying to have essentially go to a bunch of restaurants in New York City, New Jersey, Houston. I mean, hello. What much more can I tell you about Samantha? She's just a delight to talk to. And she's also a self-proclaimed boutique fitness enthusiast. So essentially, you can catch with her a Soul Cycle, Bar Method, and Bar 3. Samantha! Welcome to the show. I mean, you just have an amazing background. I'm so happy to have you here. And thank you so much for gifting us your time to talk to us today. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for making me sound great. I'm over here like, wow, I do all those things. Like I am this person. That's me we're talking about. And thank you for, you know, saying, hey, Sam, let's have this conversation. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do this. I'm normally pitching like my senior leadership to do these things. Right. And so it's like, oh, it's your turn. Spotlight. Welcome. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy that you said yes. I've been watching your TikToks for a little bit now, and I just love the authenticity behind your videos. And just like, you can totally tell that you work at a startup because you have that personality of like, you know, roll up your sleeves and get the work done. And just like the way you speak, there's just like no fluff there. And I just appreciate that so much. And specifically what really caught my eye and the video that I came across your page for the first time was, you know, the layoff that happened a few months ago and you were telling your story. But I know that we're going to get into that in a little bit. I just wanted to tell our listeners a little bit about your career trajectory. I know that I kind of introduced that a little bit in the beginning, but why don't you tell us in your own words, you know, your story about wanting to be a corporate lawyer and then deciding to go another route? Yeah, my parents are still mad. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) My dad feels like we could have had a lawyer in the family. And, you know, like typical Puerto Rican male, right, is like, that's what you were supposed to do. 
Um, <laughs> and it started at a young age. I was like four. The first time my parents said like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm this four-year-old saying a corporate lawyer. My parents are like, what? <laughs> and I really stayed on that path. Like I was doing a lot of um, extracurriculars. I was in like the higher level classes. I was a super history nerd, like all of that stuff. I was very debative. I'm very like going to go to war, right? I'm really going to be like, nope, I don't agree with you. And this is why. And, and like, so I fit that mold of being a lawyer and I'm really nosy and I research a lot and I read a lot and it just, it all makes sense. My parents just were like, of course you're going to be a lawyer. So I get to college my first year and I'm like, oh no, this is not for me. I got to do eight years of this. This is so boring. I don't want to do this anymore. And my whole life fell apart. My parents like, what do you mean you don't know what you want to do? What, what does that mean? Like you, you're a child that knows everything. And I fell into marketing and communications. I was babysitting while I was in college and I worked for really powerful people at like Experian and Live Nation and like Novartis, Johnson & Johnson. And these are people that are super senior leaders in marketing, they're in comms, they're in PR, they're in sales. And they're like, you should really be thinking about this. <laughs> you speak well, you're so smart, you're so personable, you're so reliable. That's why we allow you with our kids. So I'm like, okay, let's figure out what I want to do. And then from there, I fell into the digital space blowing up. So social media was becoming popular for brands. I started to work in social media and graphic design, self-taught myself that, self-taught myself photography and how to edit all that. So I finally get to like the point where I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. And I tell my parents, they're like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's what it means. So I'm freelancing, I'm doing stuff, I'm working at a major publishing house and my mom gets really sick. So I have to move to Houston. My parents live in Houston after the downturn in 2009. And I have to figure out like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like I have to get a job down there. And <sighs> so I end up moving down to Houston. I take a job there and I quickly like climb through the ranks because I'm the figure it out. It's a smaller business. They're like SMB. They were in facilities. and But I like dig my hands in. I learn everything, what it means. I put proposals together. I write 10,000 words. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm redesigning things. I'm staging photography. I'm going out meeting with clients. So I'm actually operating as a salesperson slash a CSM because I was retaining clients and upselling clients. And I'm like doing all of these things. And I realize I'm burned out. Like I'm tired. Five years down the road, I'm like, I am done. I have to go to sleep. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And of course, what happens five years later? Freaking COVID. So any job offer that I had was revoked. The world stops. I'm crying. Everybody's crying. I realize I have to suck it up for another like, you know, a little while. And so 2021 happens and I'm like, okay, things seem a little bit more stable. I mean, I pounded the pavement to find where I wanted to be. And then eventually I transitioned. So I ended up falling back into tech because early on in my career, I was in tech, some big companies, whatever. But I, I didn't think tech was like the thing. I didn't really care. I just wanted to get out of where I was to find a place where I could grow and like not feel so burnt out because I was a team of one. So I was really doing everything by myself, which is where the generalization comes from. Move over. Series A startup is like, we love you. Let's do this. Let's hire you. In like three weeks, I have an offer. It's like, bro, roll through all the rounds. Still love them. Still talk to the SVP, who's now the CEO of product. And he's amazing. Um, my boss at that time is the head of marketing. She's amazing. And like, they're just like, hey, you're a generalist, but you also specialize in content. And you're a strong writer. And like, you have a vision and you're great at social media. Let's hire you and let's move it forward. I get there. I love it. I bang it out. We're focused. Uh, this is all stacks. They're Series A. They closed it last year. And move forward. Quick question for those who are listening who might not know. Was SaaS and was Series A? Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. SaaS, <laughs> right? SaaS is software as a service. And basically, it's most of the stuff we use and we take for granted. So think of Asana. People, most people will know what Asana is. Most people know what Gong is. The things we take for granted is SaaS, <laughs> basically. 
And then series A, when you're in startup world, if you are not bootstrapped, meaning like you are funding it yourself and have like clients yourself automatically and start paying for everything that way, you go out for rounds of funds. It's actually changed a little bit. You have pre-seed, you have seed, series A. Some people don't do the first two. Some people do. It just depends. But series A usually is a bigger round. And then series B is the next, series C, series D. It can go all the way up to like M. Usually those are really late stage startups. They're like 10 years. They're pretty big. They're just going back out because they just want extra cash flow because they're doing something. They're probably building a new product. They're trying to buy a company. But what we really think of usually in startup is up to like series D, E. Once you start passing that, you kind of like, like, all right, what are you doing, right? But super early stage startups where usually under 100 people is series A, series B. And that's, that's where I was. Thank you for that clarification, because I do know that there's a lot of people who are interested in working in startups, especially new graduates that really want to learn and kind of rise up the ranks, because usually that's going to be one of the easiest way to do it, getting in a startup, but they don't really know like the differences and where is one of the most stable places to go into when it comes to the startup world, although like startup world is really not the most stable place. But I wanted to make that distinction of like what Series A would really mean for oh, people who absolutely. are listening. I would say at this point, no one's stable, right? Because like look at Google and Meta, just cutting people mm, left and right. So yes. honestly, nobody is safe in tech and like not yes. even software engineers who used to be untouchable. But I would say if you're ever looking for stability, the questions to be asking are like, what is our runway? Are we profitable? Do we actually have clients? Because if they tell you to have clients, I'm not going. <laughs> like, you tell right. me people paying for this product, I'm not going there. That's not stable at all. You're completely reliant on funds. Ask about the clients. Ask about um, you know what our runway looks like. The best place to be is 24 to 36 months. But if they tell you 18 and we're going out for rounds of funds, you're kind of okay for at least a year or so. But like those are the things to be paying attention to. And that's what to me brings stability. Also, how confident is your CEO? If your CEO is dodging questions. He's not confident in the fact that you guys will make it past two, three months. That's not the place you want to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, sorry, I know that you were like in a role telling us all about your, you know, your career and everything. And I interrupted you there, no, but please totally continue okay. telling us the story. <laughs> well, I don't think about those things because they're so like normalized in my head. So I need people to tell me like, hey, I don't know what that means, especially for the audience, because that's not fair. They should definitely be learning something as I'm talking. But, you know, from my Series A startup at All Stacks, they were pre-Series A when I joined. Uh, they were profitable. They had clients. They're great. They're rocking and rolling. I love them still. All the kisses to them. I moved over to Good Data, which is a late-stage startup. They're actually probably going out for like Series E or so this year or next year. And they're a BI and analytics tool. Their biggest competitors, people like Tableau. So anybody who wants to know what that means, that's what that is. And I moved because my boss that was at that org would help me up level. And it was like something really blindsiding because I loved all stacks. I love them to my core. But like I was looking at where I wanted to be and I knew that I always wanted to be a head of a department. I wanted to be a CMO. And since she was a CMO, she's a dual degree. She's dual Ivy League. She's brilliant. She can just up level me in a way that where I was wasn't going to allow me to. And I would have gotten a team. I had people reporting to me again. I wasn't just struggling by myself. And so... I made that jump in six months, which totally pisses everyone off. Cause they're like, that's awful. How could you do that? I was like, but like, if that comes, like, do you ignore that? And I just couldn't ignore the opportunity that came with it. And I got to launch a tier one product and like go to market in the first 60 days. Like, that's awesome. I can say that on my resume. How many people get to say that? Right. So I was called a content and brand marketing manager, but I was essentially head of the division. And she let me run like it. She let me break things. She let me do things. She let me talk to people. She let me tell people what to do. Like she basically said, if you offend someone, I will fix it, but just go do everything I know you can do. And that is what I was looking for because I wanted to see, could I do it with someone protecting me, right? 
And she was also going to start training me. And then unfortunately, you know, November happens. She's on maternity leave, so she can't protect me. I'm reporting to somebody in the Europe that like doesn't really get what I do, which is a whole problem. And I wake up, it's a Tuesday, and two HR people in my one-to-one, I'd been working for two hours because I normally am working by seven o'clock because of European time. Worked for two hours, gets my one-to-one, and I see two HR people. And I just knew my heart sank. And this is the TikTok you saw where like, I was like, I don't have a job anymore. And sure enough, in five minutes, I was out of there basically jobless. And it hurt because I was working so hard. And I was doing really great things. And like, it was really frustrating because I didn't know what that meant, right? And then I had to go through like this job market and like all of these things. And it was it was really stressful. But then it landed me to where I was supposed to be. And my key phrase throughout my entire job search was perseverance will lead you to where you were supposed to be. It really did because now I'm at a place that I love where I work every day. I get to mess with our CEO and make fun of him and be like, what are you doing at 11 o'clock at night? Go home, go to sleep. What are you doing? Get off the computer. Um, <laughs> and he totally trusts me to do my job. Now this role is my formal title as senior marketing manager. I will be probably moving up formally as head of marketing, but I'm introduced by everybody from our CEO as the head of marketing because he knows that's what I'm doing. But I'm doing all the operational stuff. I own everything. I have a person reporting to me. I'm hiring for a social media manager, pray for my soul because I launched the job, have over 500 applications. I want to cry. And I have (laughs) freelancers. So I am the core and I'm working on our marketing strategy that I'm tweaking right now. And we actually are meeting tomorrow about it. That's great. Well, congratulations on all of those amazing milestones and the great trajectory and journey that you've been on. And I think, you know, it's just been hard for a lot of job seekers out there right now, especially with the layoff piece. And it's hard not to take it personally, because especially when you do care about your job and when you've been doing a great role and then you've been taking it seriously, it it stinks even more, right? It's like putting salt on a wound. So I I do want to acknowledge that. And I want everybody that's listening to understand that you're not alone, that a lot of people go through that as well. And I think this is a great segue now that you've mentioned you're hiring, you're looking through over 500 applications that you want to cry. So hopefully that gives people also some perspective as to why recruiters go through every single day. And although it's like technically our job, so hopefully we're not crying every day, (laughs) but it's hard work. But I do want to ask you, and one of the main reasons why I thought you'd be so amazing to have on the podcast is because a lot of the people that I have brought into bring in a perspective of HR or recruitment. And as we all know, at the end of the day, the decision-making essentially falls on the hiring manager, right? When it comes to the job seeking. So you are a hiring manager right now. And so I thought that you would have great perspective on telling us, the people who are listening to the podcast, what are some things that you look for on resumes? Because although I do realize that some of those things might be very similar to the things that we look for as recruiters, you're the one who's actually making the final decision. So what are some things that are important to you as the hiring manager when it comes to bringing people onto your team at a startup? And why are those things important to you? So I'm going to answer this in two prongs. One, the first thing I'm looking at is, can you do the job? And I'm looking for anything that's going to tell me, can you do this job? (laughs) So you may not directly say, in this case, you may not directly say I'm a social media manager, but you might have key KPIs or key bullet points inside of your marketing assistant role that talks about, you know, building community, launching a social media campaign that drove, you know, 20 leads or something. I'm just giving an example. So I'm looking for any which way that I can see you have transferable skills to build community in this case, because I'm hiring for a social media manager, build community, you know, manage social media, get on with the trends and understand how to actually like function inside of social media, because it is a beast in and of itself. And it's eating a lot of my time. So if I have to fix you, I don't have time for that. Like I'm hiring for a reason. 
So somebody who has like good core competencies for this job. That's the first thing I'm looking for. How I get there is a little bit harder, but first and foremost. Second of all, I'm looking for transferable skills. So if, again, if you don't directly have the title and I don't get hung up on titles, a lot of people do. I hate that. I think it's dumb. Um, I will call that out as bad hiring all day, every day. A title is irrelevant because so many things have the same functionality. I don't get hung up on titles. I get hung up on like what you have in your course. I'm really like pulling out anything you've written to understand if you can actually do this job. It's a little bit harder. So I spend a little bit more time on resumes probably than like is best practice. Sometimes I'm in there for like 30 minutes being like, do I like this person? Like, and then I'm more like, okay, but that's a bad bias hiring practice. More like, can this person do the job? And so I try really hard to combat a hiring bias being like, do I like this person? And being more like, okay, are they objectively able to do the job? And do they show capabilities of doing the job? And I think the last thing in marketing specifically, so when I'm in marketing roles, I'm looking for your focus in marketing. That comes from a few things. So some people will have their social media profile. Some people will blog about it. So sometimes it's hard to get into marketing and communications because we're so saturated. And I get that. But like, show me something then that's transferable and that you're excited about the what we do every day because people that don't love it, it's really easy to tell you don't love what we do. And I'm so gung-ho all the time that I don't accept that poor quality of work just to get it done. I'm more like, no, we can always iterate on something, but you need to have good quality of work and you need to be excited about what we're doing because we're excited. You can get away with that in ADP that has like 10,000 people, but we're like 50 people strong and all of us are really excited to make this thing work. So you need to be just as excited. I do want to go back to the first point you made about... I know the second thing you mentioned was the job titles, but the first thing was, can you do the job? And you mentioned something along the lines of essentially showing KPIs. By the way, for those of you who don't know what that means, KPIs is just key performance indicators. So essentially going back to metrics, right? Which is something that I've literally mentioned over and over and over and over again on this podcast and all of my social media platforms. So I'm so happy to hear that a hiring manager is essentially telling me that that's exactly what we should be looking for. So can you just go a little bit deeper into what that means to you? And for those who are listening, potentially a lot of recent grads who might be feeling like, oh man, like I might not have any experience whatsoever. How do I write a resume when I'm just graduating? I don't have anything to show for it. And essentially I tell them all the time, you have so much to show for, you have so much value. Just We just have to help you say that in your resume. What is it exactly that you mean when you say, I just want to know that you can do the job. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so for new grads, volunteer experience, I always tell people if they're tied to a church or some kind of religious facility, if you want to get into social media as an example, because we're just going to go with that since that's what I'm hiring for, you know, volunteer your time and say, hey, I would love to revamp our social channels. Would you work with me on that? That's a great surefire way. You can actually show proof of work. You can write about what you did, how you took it over. And that works as experience, right? Intern as often as possible. I tell everyone that if you aren't interning at least twice during your college years, you are behind the eight ball because you're just not going to have it. You don't have actual work experience, which is stressful. So if you have volunteership plus work experience, which is internship, ah, you are set up for such a better success rate than people who don't have any and just have volunteer experience. Also, getting involved on campus. So a lot of campus clubs and, and all those activities, they'll have things like marketing chairs and PR chairs and comms chairs and social chairs. Like get involved, do those jobs because you're actually still running stuff. You're still doing things in real time and it gives you that ability to say, I've done this and I did this and this is how it worked and this is why it worked and this is why I figured out to do this. And this is why we did this campaign. You need to be able to talk to those things 
and you need to drive that home. So all of those things are ways to get experience without getting a job, right? That's what I'm looking at. If you're a new grad and I'm hiring for something that's considered entry level, my role right now is a little bit above. It's technically like associate level. So it's like two plus years, really Mm. leading to three to five years. But that's what I'm looking at. And so if someone has that experience plus like a year or two in a regular job, then I'm going to combine it. I'm not going to separate it because to me, it's the same thing. Unfortunately, not everybody thinks like that, but that's what I'm looking at because I want to see that you can do the job. To me, being able to do the job is more important than any kind of degree. I actually don't have a degree requirement for this role, so fun fact. And that's great to hear because there's just a lot of people out there who are just naturally talented, specifically when it comes to marketing, and they can tell that story. And your resume is essentially an audition, right? Like if you can tell a story well and you can write well on your resume, that's just for a marketing role and you don't have a degree. That's just an audition to essentially present to the hiring manager like, hey, like this is how I can tell your story for this role. Like, because essentially your resume is a marketing piece, right? That you're presenting for yourself to tell the person receiving it. Like this is the highlight reel of what I could do for you as a candidate. You just have to invite me to talk to you and then I can tell you a little bit more about me. So I love that. And I love just how open-minded you are as a hiring manager to Nagaso hang up when it comes to titles. Because that's something else that we have been trained as well in a lot of the companies that I've worked at as well is that we need to help the candidate out into connecting those dots and like connecting the bridge between people who don't have a lot of traditional backgrounds, right? Because not everybody's going to have that linear path of like graduating from a marketing degree and starting as a marketing coordinator and then going into associate marketing manager or whatever the case might be. Not everybody's going to have that background and it's not going to be as easy for us to read that resume and have that linear path. But sometimes managers are just not that open-minded. And so it's our job as recruiters to become influential and let them know like, hey, this person might not have exactly the background that you're looking for, but I've connected to that. I see context here. Let's try to give them a chance. And so we do pick up a lot of the legwork on the back end as recruiters. So I'm so happy to hear that you already are that type of manager that you wouldn't have to require a lot of convincing on our end to essentially give somebody a chance who doesn't necessarily have a traditional background. Hey, career reviewer. I'm interrupting myself because I have something super exciting for you. I want to give you a free resume review. This usually go for $387. You can check out the link to book a regular call on the show notes. This offer is exclusive to my podcast listeners, and I do these reviews on IG and TikTok lives every week. All you have to do is leave an Apple or Spotify podcast review, take a screenshot of that, and send it over to careersinreview at gmail.com. That email is careersinreview at gmail.com. In that email, you're going to go ahead and attach that resume that you want me to review, Be sure to remove any personal identifiable information and give you permission to review that on a live. And I will give you all the personalized tips on how to make that resume better so that you can apply for the job you want. If you can make the live on the scheduled time, do not worry because I'm going to go ahead and send you the replay. Now, back to the show. So, okay, so we talked a little bit about the resume piece, which I love to talk about, but now let's talk about the interview, because I think that once you get that foot in the door and you get that phone call, that's when the jitters, you know, come in and everybody's gets so nervous and the anxiety 
kicks in. So let's hear from an actual hiring manager. What are the things that you're looking for when you're meeting with someone, when they're interviewing for you? I know that that's going to depend on each role, each organization, and of course, different people. But what are the things that you look for from the get-go when you're first meeting someone? And what are the things that you really need to see in a candidate to be able to say, hell yeah, I want this person to work in my team? Fair. So there are a few things. One, I'm really structured and rigid when it comes to trying to have everybody apples to apples. I do the whole like, here are all the questions everybody's going to get asked. I'm going to take notes during my interview and have everybody responded the same way kind of thing. And since I was part of loads of interviews before this, just in general throughout my career, I've been a hiring manager several times before this. And I'm actually part of our CSM hiring role. So like, <laughs> right, um, you have to be that way because otherwise you're going <laughs> to have some kind of unnecessary bias coming through like, oh, well, this person's had nice hair, right? And I try not mm. to do that. But I try to have a really restricted guideline. Like, okay, if I'm hiring for a social media manager, here are some of the questions that I'm looking at. I'm looking at you know, why social media? I want to understand what drives you. Do you just like, do you like it? Do you spend time on it? Do you see the value in it? Are you community driven? Like I'm looking at those things. And for me, I need you to be community driven and not just like, oh, it's fun. Yeah, it's Mm. fun. But like we have a job and that has to tie back to how we're driving top of funnel and it has to drive back to how we're building community. And it has to drive back to being community and content led because that's part of my strategy. And if you don't get that, that's to me is a a disconnect that you're just like, oh, it's fun. It's a fun job that I get paid to do. And I'm like, no, really no. So I am looking at, you know, some of the motivating factors. I'm looking at, again, can you do the job and can you articulate that you can do the job? Like, are you the one who actually wrote this resume, right? Um, Right. It's always a concern. And I'm looking at how you think about things. I'm looking at the unconscious way in which you approach answering my questions because that will sometimes tell me like, what I'm looking for. Like, oh, are you telling a story as you're answering my questions? Kind of like what I do a lot of the times. Are you just giving me bullet points and, and getting out? Like, are you a set it and forget it chicken and running away? Do you have examples of things you've done? Or are you able to connect your own dots? I mean, like, I haven't actually worked on this, but I've done this and this, which rolls over. And I know that I can, I, I'll be successful here. I'm looking at if you're capable of asking me questions even. And I mean, like, Not just being like, okay, the interview's done. You told me what I needed because I'm pretty good about opening my interview with all the things they should need. Like, here's the interview process. This is what you should expect. This is the timeline. This is why we're hiring for the role. This is who I am. This is what the company is. And like, this is a little bit about our culture and like how we hire, how we operate as people. Giving a little insight into that because I'm the hiring manager. And I tell you up front, like, I'm the hiring manager. I'm who you're going to be working with. So I'm trying to give you as much as I can give you. So you have a full round robin view, like 360 bird eye view. And you're making an informed decision on whether or not you even want to continue on in this path of I like you and I want to move you forward because it is a two-way street. And I tell them up front, if you're nervous, that's totally okay. I'm not pinging you for being nervous. I want you to feel comfortable and confident and come to me and show me that you know what you're doing. And if you need a minute to be quiet, to think about your answer, I don't care. You don't even need to tell me, but do what you need to do because this interview is as much for you as it is for me. And so I'm looking at all of those things. And I think the other big thing, the big hell yes moment for me is when someone gets the job. That's hard to pinpoint to some people and it might be considered biased, but it's more like, okay, this is a social job. I know I'm going to have to content create. This is how I think about organizing my schedule. This is how I think about following trends. I think that you know, in order to do this job well, I need to do these things. You need to answer those questions as I ask you technical questions because I'm asking you a very detailed technical question. How do you build a campaign? How do you manage social media? How do you stay up to date on trends? I'm asking you these questions and that's what I'm looking to get out of you how you're thinking about it and like how you're staying up with it. 
I need to understand how you think. And if you're just going to answer me, be like, oh, I did this before. Yes. Then that's just, that's me. It's kind of like, mm, but have you, I need the details. I need the root cause of it, if you will. Yeah. So you need like answers that are going to have density and context to it. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned about people who are going to ask you questions. And there's just a lot of debate on social media of like, please tell me what question should I ask at the end of the interview? What are some of the structure of questions that you like to listen to? Or what has been some of the best questions you've heard in the past? And if you haven't, maybe you have like some sort of like formula that you can potentially give us. And if there isn't a formula, you can totally say that too. But like, what are some of the things that you think we can give our listeners some advice when it comes to the best questions they can ask at the end of the interview? Yeah. So, I mean, it's always tailored to who you're interviewing with. I try to give you a lot of info up front so you don't have to ask me dumb questions about the hiring process and like (laughs) actually ask in detailed questions that have value for you. I think they should be really value-based for you because as I said, the interview is for them as much as it is for me. So if I'm the hiring manager, right, I want to know, I've always told people, like, pick your boss. So ask me, like, how do you lead? How do you manage? How long have you been managing? Um, Ask those kinds of questions. It doesn't have to be exactly that way, but you should be asking that to really get a sense of like, is this person somebody I feel safe with to lead me on the next journey of my path? Because part of a hiring manager's role when they when you report to someone is helping career path you. I know there's a whole debate on that TikTok. I don't really care about their feelings. In my opinion, Part of our job is to make it or break it for you. And if we break it for you, it's because we suck and we shouldn't be managing people. But the good ones help career path you, help you up-level your skills and help you actually grow into the role, but also potentially grow so well that you leave it. So that to me is really important because it shows that somebody really gets that and they're not just pivoting because I'm paying really well, which just means they're a flight risk anyway because like they get someone that's going to pay them 10K more, they're going to leave. Like I'm looking for someone who really like is in it to really dig deep and learn as much as they can. I'm looking for, you know, questions around, can you give me the day in a life, right? Can you tell me how we've been doing this so far? Like, who's been running the social media since you don't have someone? And like, my answer right now is like, it's kind of sort of a PR agency, but it's mostly me. Like, so right now I am the social person. I am Torpago. Torpago is Sam, um, is like the joke. But like asking, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, asking those questions, understanding what you're getting into, really understanding what's happening and asking how the team structure is if you didn't do any research, which is totally okay. I don't expect you to research every day, all day, but asking like, hey, what is the team structure? Do we have freelancers? Do we have design support? Asking those kinds of things to understand what you're going to be responsible for, the team people you're going to be working with. You're really getting into what's going on at our org. The other formulaic type of thing would be some actual deep dive feedback into like, if I don't tell you, why did you join Torpago? Ask why I'm here, because that's going to give you probably more insight than you even realize. I always ask that when I was interviewing because it gives me insights to how does this person think? Is this person a leader that I want to work under? Do I trust them? It's giving you more insight into them as a person. I usually up front actually tell you why I'm at Torpago. I literally lead with like, I was laid off and this is where I landed kind of thing because I'm really authentic, but not everybody's me. So I look for those things. And I think those things make the best sense because they're going to drive the most value for the candidate. I'm always concerned when the candidate isn't driving value for themselves because I'm like, are you shy? Like, did you not come with questions? Do you not have any? Did I really answer everything? I don't think I did. And so that's kind of what offsets me where I'm like, are you just shy? Are you scared? Did I scare you? Like, (laughs) um, I know I'm a little out loud, but did I really scare you? And (laughs) that's kind of what I'm looking at. Like, I want you to get the most, like everything you can get out of this interview because I am your boss. I am, if you get hired, I am like the one-stop shop. 
So tell me like what you need from me, right? Um, and if you don't ask me questions now, if I hire you, you're going to ask me questions. Those things start to actually like, you know, spin around. I try to ignore them because I don't think they're fair. I know everybody's like, you know, shy, but those are some of the things that can possibly crop up and harm you. I want you to get value from this interview because it's not just me interviewing you, you are interviewing me back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I definitely love those tips. I think the one thing that I would say as well that's kind of continuing to come up is the active listening aspect of the conversation for people to, because everything is going to depend, as you mentioned in the beginning, it's like depending on who's interviewing you, what the role is and all of that. I think sometimes people get frustrated. It's like, can I just have a template? Can you just tell me what to ask? And that's just hard to answer. And I sometimes have given people like, oh, these are the best questions to ask at the end of the interview, because I do think it's important for you to have some some canned questions in case the conversation doesn't go as friendly as you think it would. Because sometimes just there are interviewers that are just not trained well. There's people that are just like winging it. They just go in there and they just don't know, right? Like there's a lot of companies out there that really should not be hiring at all, in my opinion. And sometimes you just go in there and the conversation just goes really awkward and you just want to make the best of it. And sometimes you just want to have conversations in your back packet just in case so that you just make the conversation a little bit easier or friendlier. And you also have your people who are a little bit more shy. I also do want to take into consideration neurodiversity for people who don't think very quick on their feet or who might not be processing the information as quickly as we expect them to be. So I do believe that it would be fair for us to have some canned questions just because I tend to be somebody that takes a little bit longer to process information. So I do like to have some because sometimes I just like space out. I, I don't mean to do it, but sometimes I just space out because it's a lot of information coming at me. So I do also want to make sure that we're considering our neurodivergent candidates as well for that. So I, I do believe um, that definitely paying attention as much as you can and having that passion for the job is really going to help you because once you know the job, like literally study, like you have an exam on it, you will come up with good questions. Because once you understand the problem that the company is having, the problem is already given to you. The job description is the problem. Once you go into the interview, you're going to be finding out more about what it is exactly that Topago is looking for when it comes to filling out this position, whether it's for the CSM or whether it's for the marketing department. They're going to be giving you hints like, oh, I've been looking for somebody who's essentially going to help me bridge this gap or that gap. Or I need for somebody who's essentially going to take over the social media piece so that I can be more on the strategy side. So you can essentially pick up on those things and ask questions specifically about those things. That's what essentially what I'm hearing. And I certainly hope that the listeners are also picking up on those things that Sam is telling us literally the blueprint of what a hiring manager at Topago is looking for. So if you are interested in working for a Series A startup, here it is. I mean, I brought something and I know that a lot of you are looking for roles right now. So here's your opportunity. Sam, I would love to ask you some rapid fire questions if you're ready for that. (laughs) Ready, ready. I am ready. Perfect. The best career advice you've ever gotten? Pick your boss. Ooh, I love that. Biggest career pet peeve? People who think they know it all when all of us are actually winging it and people who tell people that they don't know anything just because they don't hold a certain title. Mm. Ooh, I want that on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. One underrated career at job search tip that you can give new graduates? Oh, this one's hard. I think 
it's using social media to your advantage. I can't tell you how many times I'm in a TikTok live and someone is a new grad and they're like, hey, I'm looking for this and this and I don't know how to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, this is how I would write that. And I give them right there real life feedback without even knowing who they are. So leveraging social media to find people that do what you want to do and use that to your advantage. Absolutely. One plus one plus one plus one. Love it. If you were not a marketing leader today, what do you think you would be doing? Uh, if I followed the original path, probably I would have been an angry, burnt out corporate lawyer. Um, <laughs> and that would be kind of a sad day because that's that. it just seems like not a fun job. <laughs> what about something fun? Like if you weren't be doing this, what about something fun? Something fun. Um, honestly, I thought about going to CSM. And I'm really good with people. I have really good people skills. I have really good ability to go to the core of the problem and fix it. So I have actually considered um, leaving marketing and going to CSM. So I think in a previous life, I probably would have went into sales and went the CSM route. Cool. Well, what is next for Sam? Because I just love talking to you. You have such a welcoming personality. You have that vibrancy to yourself and you have so many amazing nuggets to share with the world. So I know that you're on TikTok, but like, what's next for you? What do you see yourself doing in the future when it comes to social? Um, for me personally, I think, so I'm trying to be better about being more consistent on TikTok as part of the reason that I'm not is because I work a lot. Um, so I'm trying to be better about building my brand and like going back to my roots. I used to blog while I was in college. I did pretty well at that. I used to go to a lot of blogger events, but like, again, life happens. I think being more consistent on TikTok and really, really thriving and building community. The last couple of nights I was on quite a bit and I helped a lot of people. I've been helping CSMs look for jobs and like giving them my insight onto like rerouting their thought process because some of them have just really bad seeking job practices because of the crap you see on TikTok that gets viral. Mm, yeah. And I think, you know, continuing to build out TikTok and, and starting to do partnership stuff, I always turned it down because I was too lazy and I was like, I don't want to do that. Um, so now starting to pitch myself and go on to some of the podcasts that I had turned down in the past and working on that. I wanted to launch my own podcast, but honestly, it's so much work and I have to probably launch one for my new company. So I just don't, I just don't think my brain can take all of that stress. Um, but definitely, you know, going on more podcasts, reaching out to some people. Um, I would love to get on the product school podcast, which is like, they have two, right? They have the product one specific, but they have a product marketing one. I would love to get myself on there. I think that that would be really cool. I have a lot of product marketing knowledge that's transferable because I'm also in content and specialty on the SaaS side and really continuing to build myself out. I want to start YouTube, but again, there's just so much work that goes into these things. You, you and I talked about this prior. But just continuing to kind of blow out TikTok and, and do a lot of partnership stuff and really get on podcasts and go to events and continue to guest lecture because I do guest lecture at some universities here in New Jersey and New York. And I think giving back is so important because so many professors are so out of touch with reality because marketing mm. is changing so fast and communications is changing so fast that they are out of date because they haven't practiced in like 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, and two months is like 15 years in our span at this point. Um, yeah. So they're teaching them stuff that just like isn't hitting. And it doesn't make sense. And they go into this world and they don't know what to do. And versus I'm like, this is what we're doing. This is how you build a brand now in 2023. So continuing to do that because I love giving back and I love, 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 love teaching, ironically. I just don't think that I love the pay of a teacher, but I'm sorry, I always <laughs> guest lecture and I won't be a full-time professor. But those are the things that are on my radar. 
I might jump ship in a couple of years and go to CSM and be like, bye marketing. So who knows? <laughs> well, we'd love to see it. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. I'll definitely be linking your TikTok in the show notes for everybody to go and check it out. If there's any other social or anything else that you'd like me to share, please let me know. I would be happy to share that with the amazing community here on the podcast. Thank you so much, Sam, for joining us today and dropping all of the amazing nuggets. I really appreciate it. Any parting words of wisdom for the listeners? If you are going through a layoff, know that it is one of the hardest things you will ever have to do in your life. So perseverance will truly, truly lead you to where you are supposed to be. And know that if you cry, if you get angry, if you feel frustrated, if you feel hopeless, that is totally normal. I cried on TikTok very publicly a few times during my layoff. Because so many people made it seem like they were living the high life when they were laid off. And that's just not the reality for the many. That's the minority who are very lucky and very fortunate. And if you are a new grad, it sucks out here. So <laughs> be, be prepared to really grind it out. Be prepared to use everything you can. Reach out to people on social media. Read blogs. Listen to podcasts. Learn as much as you can while you're searching for a job so you can come in ready to go. So many jobs don't want to train you. And it's so sad, but it's so true. And and I feel for you. So just know it's really hard, but you will get to where you're supposed to be if you just keep pushing and leveraging everything you physically can. I mean, I literally at one point had like 200 job interviews in a week, right? And I was like dying. So I know that it's hard, but do keep pushing because it's so important. And to everybody in general, if you think that you know something better than someone else, there is a way to approach that. Stop telling people that you know something that they don't um, and talking to them like they are stupid because so many people are actually quite intelligent regardless of they if they have neurodivergency or not. And that is my pet peeve. Um, so be kind, keep playing on the playground and be genuine to everyone you meet because you don't know what someone is going through. 100%. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. I really appreciate it. And uh, for all of the listeners, please make sure to check out the show notes for all of the details, the resources, and of course, the TikTok for Sam. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. From effective networking to landing job offers, this is the podcast for action takers ready to be the best they can be without any fear. This is the Careers in Review podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode of Careers in Review. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter. You will receive exclusive information about upcoming shows, transcripts, and information about our guests. For all resources mentioned, show notes, transcriptions, and more details regarding topics discussed in today's show, please visit the Careers in Review website, www.careersinreview.com podcast. You can also follow Careers in Review on all socials, for more exclusive video content. Thank you for listening.